the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi again, everybody. Welcome back. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. We talk about issues of the day from a Christian perspective, and it's always good to be with you. A lot of issues to talk about today and uh, serious ones, but we want to be able to talk about those things uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, one of them is we want to have the right perspective, what's really true, what is happening, and what's, and particularly, you know, one of the things I think about a lot with our show, I think about this every day with our show, is whatever the topic is, whether we're talking about something that's in the news or we're talking about just some you know, biblical matter or something from a Christian perspective that maybe is more about what Christians deal with, whatever it is, a lot of it has to do with how are we able to relate to our neighbor, whether they're a Christian or not, our coworkers, our classmates, the people that God has, I believe, placed in your relational world on purpose for you to love. That the more we can understand and represent the gospel, the better off we are. And, you know, one of the things that occurs to me, even as a pastor, is that sometimes we don't know everything that we think we know, you know, especially if you've been in the church for a long time. You know, sometimes I realize, gosh, you know, I don't know that much. And when when things started to happen after October 7th in Israel, I started to realize, you know, there's a lot of things I assume I understand about Israel's history, but I realized I had a lot of gaps. So I've had to do a lot of study and uh, and. Uh, even today is the beginning of, of Hanukkah. Let me ask this question. How many of you even understand, if you're, unless you're Jewish, what is Hanukkah? What does that mean? What is the relationship to the scriptures? And for Jewish people, what does today mean? Or for Jewish Christians, what does it mean today? With me to talk about this is Rabbi Gary Dereshinsky. And uh, Gary has been with us uh, many times. He is the Messianic Rabbi of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation right here in Los Angeles. Gary, welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, it's great to be with you. Thank you for inviting me to come. And happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Thank you. Chag Sameach. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. <laughs> hey, Gary, you know, uh, there's a lot of things, obviously, I think that uh, we can talk about. Um, and, you know, right before the break, we had a caller and we were talking about today being Pearl Harbor Day and that the United States is reconciled with Japan, at least nationally. We're, mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. friends going both directions and that sometimes nations are able to go to war and then in a relatively short period of time reconcile, become allies. Sometimes they're allies for economic reasons, really, and there's there's cultural differences, yeah, but it sure. can be for real. But then sometimes it's much, much harder, and obviously the situation going on in, in Israel is very complicated. And our last caller, she was Jewish. She grew up in Iran, or was a young child in Iran, she said, five years old when the revolution happened there. And that whole country changed. Um, oh, yeah. Really over, yeah sure. really overnight. And... Then she said she started getting abused, physically abused by other kids, you know, and then moved here and escaped, came here. Things were pretty good. Then she went to university and started getting abused again. Um, yeah. We're yeah, seeing yeah. An, an awful lot of that. How are you guys doing with that at, at the uh, at your your church at the uh, 
uh, temple. Is it, you call it temple? Our congregation. Congregation, yeah. Uh, we refer to it as more often than not, but sometimes people refer to us as uh, our synagogue. Yeah. Uh, not too often our temple, but okay. uh, our synagogue or congregation. Yeah, synagogue yeah. would be where I was looking for. Yeah, well, um, you know, we've not had any problems or any challenges to our facility or at our congregation. Our doors are open. People come and worship and uh, there's been significant growth, I have to say that. Hmm. Uh, our attendance has been growing. People are identifying very strongly with uh, the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. They want to come. They want to worship. They want to learn more about the Jewish roots of their faith. And I think this has uh, brought that to a greater awareness. I'm also hearing in um, many of the churches, not a number of our people are in churches on Sunday and when they're in our congregation on yeah. Saturday. I, uh, I'm grateful for that, you know. Um, but a number of them have related that in their churches there has been, I don't know how to put it exactly, but sort of a, uh, um, a less than direct uh, referring uh, to the Jewish people. Or maybe I'm not saying that quite right. There's there's not been that um, heightened awareness, may not be quite the right word, but a heightened concern for what has transpired uh, in Israel with the invasion and the sexual atrocities and uh, all that has transpired. So that many are telling me, for example, their pastors may be praying for general peace and well-being in the Middle East, but not a great deal of focused attention on the horrors that have occurred so as to be praying for uh, the victims and their suffering and their their need for uh, strength and mm. uh, provision, uh, even the need for the gospel, uh, which certainly we all have a need for. But at this particular time, there seems to be a failure, at least is what I'm hearing, a failure of the church to really empathize and identify with uh, the people from whom their Messiah came, mm -hmm. the people from whom their book of books has come, uh, the people who every Sunday they're, they're quoting from, they're, the stories of the people that they're retelling as they teach the Old Testament, and yet... Uh, there's a disconnect, I think, between the Jewish people of the modern era and the Jewish people of the Bible. It's like there's it, – it's sort of like I remember years ago when Dr. Daniel Fuchs, who was the president of – of uh, what's now Chosen People Ministries. I went to a church service with him, and he lifted up the Bible, and he said, this is the worst page in the entire Bible. And he lifts it up, and it says, the New Testament. <laughs> and his uh, his point was, we get the sense that there's a New Testament and an Old Testament, rather than a, the biblical revelation from beginning to end, hmm. from the same God, about yeah. the same people, and the fulfillment of the same promises. That's the in a in a way similar to what's happened here. It's like the Jewish people in Israel or the United States or on, on the college campuses are not connected with the people whom God has chosen, as we read about in the Hebrew Scriptures, or the the people upon whom God has set His love. And so, I think, from what I'm hearing, um, that the church is failing. Uh, the pastors are failing to bring this to the fore in the way it ought to be. Um, 
how many churches have called for a special day of prayer for Israel? Uh, how many people, how many churches have called for a special gathering because of what we're seeing begin to unfold uh, in the Middle East? I think it's been uh, minimal. I get a lot of uh, feedback from lots of different callers, actually, callers uh-huh. who call the show, and they talk about what their church is doing, uh, you well, know, and it's hear. different, right? Some churches have not said a word about it, yeah. you know, and yeah. some churches it is the only subject, right? So it probably depends, you know, maybe where yeah, you go. Maybe that's true. What do you think, you know, as far as this goes, and part of the reason I think that it's great to have you here, there's many reasons that it's always great to have you here, but one of them is, <laughs> you. you know, we're going to talk about Hanukkah and what that is, and right. I, and I think... I think most probably uh, Protestant or Catholic Christians don't know what that is. Yeah. Right? Or yeah, yeah, you've yeah. heard of it. I think I'll bet probably most non Jews, most Gentiles yeah. probably don't really get it. Um, and, you know, how much do we know of other cultures all the time? But I think there's something about Christians that we should be paying more attention. What is this? What's the history of Israel? How do. Christians, and you're you're a Messianic rabbi, yes. so you believe Jesus is the Messiah. Absolutely. And Absolutely. why is it so important to make sure people understand that the Old Testament and the New Testament is actually one book? Yeah. You know, one revelation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, it's, it's critical because if we want to see Jewish people come to embrace Messiah, we ought not to expect that somehow they're going to shed their Jewish cultural manners, mm-hmm. you know, or mannerisms or style. Uh, we ought not to expect them to all of a sudden take on a quote-unquote, I'm not sure such a thing as this exists, but what we sort of imagine exists, uh, a Christian culture, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or that somehow we have to embrace Christian traditions, you know. Mm. Uh, it's really the other way around, isn't it? Uh, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah who came in a world of Jewish thought and Jewish ideas and Jewish history and Jewish culture and Jewish society. And as it's moved out to the four corners of the earth, um, we've turned – oftentimes the church has turned a blind eye to that. Has done worse than that, of course, uh, as you're well aware. Yes. Um, The anti-Semitism that is very much prevalent in church history, Mm -hmm. and not just church history of the past, but we see it prop up from time to time. I mean, I've experienced it. Mm. Um, I don't need to get into any particulars, but just in general, when I was growing up, the community I lived in was a mixed community. I had a lot of Jewish friends, but I had a lot of non-Jewish friends. In fact, my closest friend growing up, who I'm still friends with from when we were four years old, uh, was an Irish Catholic fellow by the name of uh, – last name Hosmer, you know. Yeah. So um, I had a lot of great friends that were uh, not Jewish. And I've never, never experienced anything that I would characterize as anti-Semitic until I became a believer – and until I started speaking at churches, and it was in churches that um, I began to experience it hmm. very blatantly. Uh, I don't mean in terms of insensitivities. I mean very obvious and blatant. Like deliberate. Like sometimes people Absolutely just ignorant deliberate. of things, right? Yeah. What, what's an example of that? We, we've talked about that a little bit on our show before, just that there's history of that. You know, the, yeah, the whole yeah. – you know, getting back to, you know, you killed Jesus, you know, <laughs> exactly. like say, no, the Italians killed Jesus. You're supposed to hate the Italians, right? Right. which obviously makes no sense. No sense. And, it, and if you're saying that, then you don't understand why Jesus died then. If, if this is upsetting yeah. to you, then I don't think you get Jesus. Yeah. Right? And it's interesting in, in the Hebrew scriptures in Isaiah 53, it says uh, that, and it pleased the Lord 
right, right to bruise yeah. him, you know, yes. to put him to to death. Yeah, so, we misunderstand that. So, what's an example? You know, what's something that is happening in uh, Christian circles that you'd say is anti-Semitic today? Well, you mean today? Yeah, like what would what would be something that you might experience today if you want to talk about that? Well, I I, I can speak personally. Yeah. And uh, so I was speaking at a, a church at a in, a in a given place, and I remember I was lining up with the pastor. You know how oftentimes uh, at the door, you know, greeting people right. and and so on. And so one fellow comes up to me and he shakes my hand and he says, you know, good morning. It's nice to have you here. I said, yeah. And then he he sort of brought me in tight to him, you know, and he looked behind me. And so I said, uh, I said, you know, what are you looking at? He said, I always thought you people had horns. I mean, that is as anti-Semitic as you can get. Yeah. Um, and that was like at a church service. You know? Right. So uh, and that now that's a blatant, obvious, directed anti-Semitic statement. Yeah. I think more often than not, you find just insensitivities. Yeah. Um, even, you know, in one sense, it may not sound offensive when a pastor says, um, and the Jews this. You know, or what, I don't mean in an accusatory way. You can even speak about, and the Jews are the people of God. Yeah. But that word Jew in that way to the Jewish ear is sort of uh, offensive, maybe too strong a word, but an irritant. Hmm. You know, the proper way to speak about the Jew- Jewish people is, and the Jewish people this, you know. And so, uh, and that's sort of rang in my ears in a unique way because uh, one year when I was given a sabbatical, my Salem buddy and I, we sailed down to South Carolina and uh, we spent like 20 days on the boat, never got off. And we come down to South Carolina and we said, hey, you know, it's Sunday, let's go to a church service. So here we were in the South, you know, and we were going into a church service and the fellow's going to speak on the Old Testament. And as he's speaking, he's talking about the Jewish people. And he spoke of them in such an honorific and such a um, respectful manner that it sort of dawned on me how often people, many times pastors or Bible teachers or Sunday school teachers, you know, they use phrases that to them is not intended in any way, shape, mm-hmm. or form, and then they're not even thinking about it as being uh, problematic or inappropriate. But you know, that goes a long way in helping a Jewish person to consider even the claims of Messiah, you know, to just be sensitive to the fact that the word Christ, for example, oftentimes used, as you, we were talking, in, in an accusatory manner, the Jews are Christ killers, you know. Right. Uh, just talk about what the word Christ means, right? It's really from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which means anointed one. And so just talk of him of Jesus the Messiah can erase a hurdle hmm. that can enable a Jewish person to more positively think about Jesus for who he really is yeah. and might even go so far as to think about might it be a good thing to have a relationship with him? Might it be a good thing? to uh, investigate uh, this one whom my friend is telling me is the Jewish Messiah and not the Christian Christ, mm. <laughs> you know. Um, so it's things like that. You know, those think. things are very helpful because, you know, we 
we want, I believe, and I teach this a lot, that God puts people in your relational world on purpose for the purpose of discipleship, whether yeah, maybe you're yeah. just going to pray for them or maybe there's going to be an opportunity for you to be, to give a reason for the hope you have. Absolutely. But those people are going to be, have different backgrounds. They're going to be in different races. They might be Jewish. They might be, you know, uh, from some other place in the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. it's respect. It is part of, I think, the responsibility of discipleship for us to figure out how to not inadvertently disrespect somebody in our life. Yeah, because for us here in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. 600,000 Jewish people in this city, and it was the second largest Jewish community in in the United States, behind, of course, the New York and New York metropolitan area. But 600,000 Jewish people. And I think what happens is, a Christian person, if they're not Hispanic or of another uh, another race that skin color is identifiable, but um, they look at Jewish people here in Los Angeles and say, hey, they're just like me. You know, there is no cultural disconnect until yeah. we get to a holiday that they observe and we don't. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, uh, they're my neighbors. They go to work like I go to work. And so we don't realize there is a cultural difference um, and a stylistic difference and a sensitivity um, about certain things that we need to learn about, just as if we were going to become missionaries in That's right. some foreign w- w- area. It doesn't have to be foreign. It could be just in a certain community here in Los Angeles. Well, being in, yeah, being in Southern California, you're in a whole right. bunch of different communities. One community we used to work in in San Diego had 42 different languages in yeah. the same community yeah. spoken. Right? Well, my wife and I, were, we love being here. And in our congregation, because our congregation, when people come, they'll say to me, they did not expect the congregation to be be so diverse. Mm. And the reason we are is because what binds our congregation together, apart from our love for Messiah and our desire to worship him, is that the people that come have a love for the Jewish people. And so we have Filipinos that love the Jewish people. We have African-Americans that love the Jewish people. We have Hispanics that love the Jewish people. And so they're all coming, even though they're of various different nationalities and races and so on uh, and cultures. We're all united in that we want to bring the gospel to Jewish people. And so all these different pe- – we're not coming together because we're we all agree on – uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Right. We're not coming together because we all agree on the mode of baptism. We're coming together because we we want to be used of God to be an agent to bring the good news of Yeshua as the Jewish Messiah to Jewish people. So it attracts people of all different backgrounds. Mm. And so it's, um, it's really beautiful uh, to see that and to experience it. Very different from, say, um, back east – you know, the church that we were connected with and many churches around us were had their own dis- – they were all sort of either white churches or African-American churches or Hispanic churches. And, of course, you have that everywhere. But for our congregation, it's a, a very integrated mix of cultural uh, – differences and which is what the kingdom of god is going to look like yeah it will yeah so (laughs) my guest is rabbi gary dereshinsky and uh we're really here to talk about what hanukkah is and so we're going to get to that here in just a minute because i think that's a that's part of our conversation is why why should i learn what hanukkah is if i'm not jewish well part of it is is you know somebody who is probably or you will 
Uh, that's one reason. Another reason it's good to know yeah. Uh, yeah. how these things uh, connect, how they fit into our faith. And I think, you know, it's uh, and it's something I think in our our churches we do have to be very intentional about understanding uh, how our Savior is Jewish. Did, yes. did Jesus uh, practice? Hanukkah? Did he celebrate Hanukkah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, it's it, you know, you mentioned why should we know it? Well, one good reason is because it's in the Bible. <laughs> you okay. know? And it's not just – it's interesting as I've spoken at many, many churches and they've asked me to come and, you know, speak about Hanukkah. And I usually start by saying something of this order. Um, you know, Hanukkah, it, what's interesting to me is that when you talk with Jewish people – they oftentimes are not well aware of the Bible, mm-hmm. right? They, they know there's a Bible, and they know that it's written by Jewish people. But Jewish people that are more are more secularized, they're not reading the Bible regularly. But they know a lot about Hanukkah. Yeah. And uh, and then you've got yeah, – and I would say to them, but now Christians, you know, very often they – today maybe things have changed over the 50 years I've been in ministry. But um, Christians for the most part – don't know a whole lot about Hanukkah. Yeah. But there it is in the New Testament. It's it's in the Bible. But no, no, no. It's not in the Old Testament historically. It's in the New Testament, you know, where it, where it's, and it's not anywhere in the New Testament, like tucked away in the book of Revelation. All right. When we come back, we're going to learn what that is. My guest is Rabbi Gary Dereshinsky, and uh, he is the Messianic Rabbi at uh, Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation in Los Angeles. We'll be back more in just a moment as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. Listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at Pastor Scott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. In the studio with me is uh, Rabbi Gary Dereshinsky, and he is the Messianic Rabbi of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation in Los Angeles. And today is the first day of Hanukkah. And as we've been talking about, it's important for us to understand this. And I'll bet that a lot of us don't fully understand. I am going to learn some things myself uh, right here. So, Gary, uh, tell us about Hanukkah. Where does this come from? Today's the first day. You know, assume that we know nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. How does this work? Well, first of all, uh, all the Jewish holidays always start at sundown. Right. So it, tonight at sundown, we'll begin Hanukkah. And, of course, the reason for that is because the creation account is that way. The evening and the morning was the first day. That's right. So uh, tonight we'll start uh, Hanukkah. And so tomorrow during the day will be the first day, uh, essentially. And the word Hanukkah means dedication. And so Hanukkah is the festival of dedication. It's also called Chag HaOrim, uh, the festival of lights. It's called the Feast of Dedication because it involved events that transpired, let's say, for around figure's sake, 175 years before the time of Messiah, when a Greco-Syrian by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes had invaded Israel, destroyed the temple, and uh, destroyed the uh, menorah and uh, the articles in the holy place and extinguished the menorah. And so the miracle that's associated with Hanukkah is that when the temple was restored, um, the Jewish people searched throughout the compound of the temple area to look for a cruise of oil that, or I should say, 
uh, eight cruises of oil that, or seven cruises of oil that could light the menorah. Because by that point, the oil that was, ma- that was created or made was manufactured according to a particular traditional mode. And so you couldn't light the menorah in the holy place with just any old oil. You needed oil that was consecrated by the priests and prepared as the priests had indicated. And uh, as they searched the compound, they found a cruise of oil that would only last a day. And the miracle associated with Hanukkah is that it actually lasted eight days. And the priests needed eight days in order to manufacture the oil according to their tradition. Hmm. And so therefore, Hanukkah is also called the Festival of Lights. But the importance of Hanukkah is not just about that. It is a festival that focuses attention on the miracles that God has provided because the deliverance from that Greco-Syrian armed forces uh, was the work of God in miraculously delivering the people. And so as the menorah is lit and so in every home there's an eight-branch menorah, the eight branches for – it's called an eight-branch menorah, but there are actually nine. Uh, the eight branches are to remind us of the eight days that the menorah in the holy place stayed lit. And the ninth holder for an, another candle uh, or an oil uh, area uh, what is to be used, that candle would be used to light the other candles on the menorah. That noticeable candle is called the shamus or the servant candle, and it serves to light the other candles. And as the lights, the flames on the candles are lit, uh, you're to reflect on you – know, the, the rabbis say you can't use it to – uh, gain heat from or any purpose from the the reason for the menorah is to just look at and as you look at the flames as they're dancing on the wick and the wax of the candle or the oil um, it's almost a miraculous manifestation and so that's to inspire us to think about all the miracles that God had done in behalf of Israel uh, throughout her history hmm. And as I was saying before, the interesting thing is that the story of Hanukkah is uh, not told in the Bible, but it was prophetically anticipated uh, by Daniel the prophet who wrote about the events of Hanukkah in both chapter 8 and chapter 11. But Hanukkah as a stated festival only is referred to in the New Testament, and that as I was saying before, not in a book that's sort of tucked away, but in the Gospel of John. That's right. And, uh, yeah, in John chapter 10, it says it was the Feast of the Dedication in verse, I think it's like verse 20, 22. And Jesus participated. And exactly, Jesus is participating. It's a very fascinating passage because it's in that passage that it says the people gathered around Jesus and they said, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Hmm. And I always thought to myself, if I was living at the time of Jesus and I saw him and I had the opportunity, what would I want to ask him? Yeah. You know? And I think I'd ask him, are you really the Messiah? You know. And yet in the New Testament, it so infrequently is stated. You, know? yeah. um, you have the woman at the well who says something to the effect that if uh, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. And Messiah says, I who speak to you am he. And you have at the trial, the high priest says to Jesus, I adjure you by the living God, are you the Messiah? 
And Jesus' response is, yes, I am. And the next time you see me coming, I'll come in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. The only other place where it is plainly stated uh, or uh, where he plainly states he's the Messiah as such uh, is here in John chapter 10. And they ask him, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And the reason they're asking him that, I think, it's not clearly stated in John 10, but what transpired at the time of the events of Hanukkah is that when the temple was uh, restored, the the altar upon which the sacrifices were all offered were desecrated by Antiochus Epiphanes uh, because they sacrificed a pig, an unclean animal, upon it to the god Zeus. Mm. And so the question that the rabbis asked was, uh, can we utilize this altar now that it's been desecrated by the blood of a pig? And so uh, Josephus mentions this, but uh, it is said that, and in the book of Maccabees, First Maccabees, it says that they dismantled the altar stone by stone, stored the stones in a secret place, awaiting the time when the Messiah would come who would then tell them what they could do with these stones from the time of so- Temple of Solomon. So when in John chapter 10 they say, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly, one has to ask themselves, what was it that inspired the people to ask him, are you the Messiah? Yeah. Well, it's the Feast of Dedication. Hmm. And the question is, if you're the Messiah, what do we do with the altar stones? Is the temple going to be restored? Is, you know, is this now the time of Israel's redemption? And Yeshua, Jesus, responds by saying, I have told you plainly. And what does he say? The miracles that I do testify that I am who I said I am. And so why this focus now on miracles? Well, it's Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is the festival of lights. It's a time when you focus in on the miracles God has done. And so Jesus is simply drawing attention to the festival and what and the major themes. And and a third point about John ten, not only do they ask him, Are you the Messiah dealing with the altar stones and uh and his answer, the miracles, but then uh this is Hanukkah, the feast of dedication. And so what does he tell him? He says, my sheep hear my voice yeah. and they follow me. Well, uh, if you're truly dedicated you know, to God, if you're truly committed to him, uh, you would hear his voice. Uh, Jesus says on another occasion, you know, if you believe Moses, you would believe me because he spoke of me. Mm. And uh, he said, before Abraham was, I am. So uh, the major themes of Hanukkah, of the messianic hope, uh, the performance of miracles by God and the need for Israel to dedicate their lives to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all found in that passage. And so uh, why is it important to know Hanukkah? Well, you can't understand the passage. Right. If you don't know <laughs> if you don't know <laughs> What's he Hanukkah. doing on the Feast of Dedication? Exactly. You know? Or why is it even there? That's another interesting thing because mm-hmm. John chapter 7 you had the Feast of Tabernacles, which just occurred uh, in the fall, yeah. just a, a month before. And then that's John chapter 7. John chapter 8, you have that great pronouncement by Messiah, I am the light of the world. And then in John chapter 9, you have the miracle in which he heals a man born blind that cannot see. 
And now in John chapter 10, it's the miracle, miracles of Hanukkah, the festival of lights where, you know, it's almost like light is turned on in the hearts of individuals and they become dedicated to God and therefore become his sheep. That whole section, 7, 8, 9, and 10, are all joined together uh, through the festivals of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, mm-hmm. that leads into the festival of Hanukkah. Understanding all of these things also gives somebody... Uh, you become rooted into the history, the yeah. reality of the history of Jesus, the history of Israel, the the history of the world, really, mm-hmm. in so many mm-hmm. of these ways, and the truth of our faith. Yeah, and you know what people say to me more often than not, and it's what I experience myself, is that when I ask myself, okay, what does this have to do with the Jewish people? Mm-hmm. I, I realize people want to find out what does it have to do with me. I get that. You know, how can I be a better husband, a better father, a better person? But if we ask the question, what does this have to do with Israel and the Jewish people? And we look for that. Then what happens is the passage in and of itself begins to make sense. Yeah. And the parts fit together. And I think that's what draws people oftentimes to Beth Ariel. Because if they watch us online, because our services are live streamed, uh, they'll hear me talk about these things. And you can watch people. It's like the lights go on, their eyes open up, and they say, that makes sense. I've read this passage so many times, and I always wondered what is really going on here. And the answer is always found in stepping back and and reminding oneself, this is a Jewish book about the Jewish Messiah written first and foremost, not exclusively, but Mm -hmm. first and foremost for the Jewish people. And so what does it have to do with them? Yeah. And once we find that out, then we can genuinely ask the question, so then what does it have to do with me? And... Uh, when we we'll come back, we got to take a break, Gary. And when we come back, uh, I want to ask you about how we can. There's a lot of suggestions about how we can respond to what's going on in the world today, and I want to get your thoughts on that. This is Pastor Scott Show, Rabbi Gary Dershinsky is with me. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from three to five p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. I'm here with Rabbi Gary, Rabbi Gary Dereshinsky. And uh, by the way, if you are interested in uh, his congregation, it is uh, Beth Ariel, BethAriel.org, right? That's, That's the right, right website. So you uh, when are your uh, services? Our services generally, uh, regularly, every week at Saturday morning, 11 o'clock in Tarzana and Saturday evening at 6 p.m. in Valencia. But this Saturday, we'll be celebrating Hanukkah. Yeah. And we're bringing both our congregations together. And so we'll be meeting up at the Valencia location Saturday morning at 11 a.m. And we meet at Restoration Church, which is on Wiley Canyon Road. So 11 o'clock this Saturday, we'll celebrate Hanukkah together. We'll light the menorah. We'll sing songs about Hanukkah. I'll share a little bit about that. And we'll uh, we'll eat together. I was going to ask you, will there be food? <laughs> and we'll eat together. <laughs> yeah. What is what? Are, what are the traditional foods for Hanukkah? Traditional foods. Well, because in the temple, the menorah that was lit was an oil lamp, mm-hmm. so it's oily food. So if you're on a diet or something, this is a day you just get a chance to put that <laughs> aside, I guess. But uh, potato pancakes, okay. 
You know, my mother's recipe is awesome, and uh, that's one of the things I take pride in, although I've not always won a potato pancake cook-off. But nevertheless, potato pancakes, that's that's uh, latkes, they're called. Yeah. And uh, the deep-fried jelly donuts, soufganiyot, um, which I just made some uh, this week. I wanted, you know, we were talking about that, and we said, gee, they're so expensive in the bakery. So I went on YouTube, and just using pizza dough, uh, <laughs> you can actually make it. It came out great. YouTube is the wildest thing. Yeah. I, like, yeah. How, you know, we used to, you know, should I hire a plumber? Should I do all of this? No, no. I went on YouTube, and I, uh, you know, fixed yeah. my house. Yeah, a friend you of know. mine did that. I said, I wouldn't go that far. But I made soufgani oat. And they really were great. They were great. That's amazing. So, That's really great. Hey, you know, we've been talking about, um, obviously, Hanukkah and how it's important for uh, everybody to know that. And I think Christians especially, yes. um, we need to know uh, this. And, you know, a question has come up and um, with everything happening in Israel right now. What are some of the ways that Christians can... Uh, support um, the Jewish people, um, their friends, their neighbors, people that they work with, you know, what's appropriate and what isn't? Maybe some of my question or what would be, you know, helpful. I think uh, one of the, I think on Dennis Prager's program, he's Uh promoting the idea of you, of putting in, uh, what's the box called again? A tzedakah box? Yeah. Or the the mezuzah putting on the side of your door, or you mean to collect money? No, the, the, <laughs> I don't think he said that. I, haven't all, yeah. I don't know what he said. Uh, the bo- the mezuzah mez- box? Mezuzah. The mezuzah box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, describe what that is. The mezuzah is um, a, a little ornament mm-hmm. that has within it uh, a scroll uh, on parchment that has written out the Shema from Deuteronomy 6.4. And the succeeding verses that speak about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's, it's, it opens up with Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, mm-hmm. the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Bind them on the doorposts of your house. So on the basis of that, a Jewish people will put a mezuzah, uh, a little container, it usually has a uh, a shin, the letter Shin mm-hmm. for Shaddai, uh, speaking of God Almighty, and uh, you put it on the door toward the way that the door opens up. And it's sort of a symbol that, you know, our house is a house, our household is a house that lives under uh, the authority of God's word and the love of God and our recognition of him. Yeah. So maybe that's what he was speaking about. It might be. Now, are, are gestures like that, is that, um, like we talked before about insensitivity. Sometimes uh-huh. you think you're doing uh-huh. something helpful, but you're really right. not. You know, what would you say about that? I've heard put a menorah in the window or a candle in the window, lots of suggestions. Okay. I think that's good. But what what makes sense? Yeah. Now, you mentioned menorah. Just to be clear, the mezuzah is what goes on the doorpost, a menorah, is the seven branch That's candelabra right. or the eight or nine probably, ca- uh, Hanukkah uh, menorah that you used. wouldn't put a big one of those in your windows, probably. No, or well, light the candles. And- yeah, uh, but Christians can do that. Celebrate mm-hmm. Hanukkah like yeah. their Messiah, their Savior. Jesus did, did it. Jesus did it. Yeah. We can do it too. Yeah, uh, and it's a great way to show solidarity. Yeah, especially you have Jewish neighbors. Hey, why are you putting the menorah? Hey, my Messiah is Jewish. Right. And uh, in recognition of him and my love for the Jewish people and my concern for my neighbors, I'm putting it in there. So um, it could be a great way to initiate conversation about one's faith. But I think, you know, prayer 
is an important feature. What I mean by that is uh, to let your Jewish friends, co-workers, as you were talking about, when issues, when they share issues in their lives that are uh, a challenge. I have to bring my daughter in for surgery or my brother-in-law lost his job or whatever the case might be, to simply say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. Hmm. Um, To us, that seems like another way of saying, thanks for telling me I'm concerned, (laughs) you know, but if it really means I'm going to bring this before God and talk with him about this, um, that sort of blows Jewish people's minds. And then to follow up and say, hey, I've been praying for you for the past week, day, whatever it is, how's your brother-in-law doing? How's your daughter doing? How are they showing that ongoing concern with, with real action uh, that's of a spiritual nature because your relation with God is real, mm-hmm. uh, can go a long way in opening up a Jewish person's heart to begin to consider uh, who Jesus is. I think a second thing that, that is important or connected with this, sending a, a Hanukkah card. Don't send them a Christmas card. Send them a Hanukkah card, uh, g- greeting them for Hanukkah, yeah. and which shows you're aware of their culture. You're aware of when they are celebrating their holidays and that you're taking a step to better connect with them as your neighbor, as your friend, or as your family member. Uh, so I think those are two very practical things. I think a third thing is that uh, you can invite them to your service, and you can you can first of all talk with your pastor and say, I'd, "I have Jewish friends that are they seem open, you know. I'd like to bring them to the church. Uh, could you speak on maybe something from the Hebrew Scriptures, something about why we believe?" Jesus is the Messiah, something about the Jewish holiday. You know, it's Passover or maybe during the season of Purim. There's so many Jewish holidays. Mm. Growing up, my friends were saying, gee, I wish I was Jewish. Then I wouldn't have to go to (laughs) school either, you know. (laughs) But there's so many Jewish holidays. You could ask your pastor in March, say, could you speak on the book of Esther? Because I'd like to bring my Jewish friend. In April, can you speak Mm. on Passover? Because I'd like to bring my Jewish friend. In May, Feast of Shavuot, Pentecost. It's Shavuot. Can you speak on that so I can bring my Jewish friend? You know, when you come into yeah. the summer, it's Tisha B'Av. It's a fast day for the destruction of the temple. I was going to invite my Jewish friend. And can, can you speak on that in the, in the fall? Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, the Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, Hanukkah. I mean, you know, Jew, pastors could be speaking Jewish sermons right. know, all year round <laughs> because there are so many Jewish holidays. And yeah. um, in any case, it can be coordinated so that when you bring your Jewish friend, they'll hear something that is connected to them from their presumably non-Jewish Christian pastor who now uh, manifests a sensitivity uh, could go a long way. And I would, and I would say you can always invite them uh, to Beth Ariel. Right. You know, and bring them to – And go with them. And go with them and yeah. come and uh, have them meet other Jewish people that believe uh, Jesus is the Messiah and other non-Jewish uh, people who love Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. You know, I want to encourage everybody to pay attention. When you study your Bible, maybe you're going to uh, do uh, your Bible reading. You're going to make a commitment, New Year's resolution. You're going to say, all right, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to read um, 
Genesis through Revelation. Yeah. All right. Uh, usually you die somewhere in Leviticus. All right. <laughs> you know, it's like January 17th or something, you're done. Uh, don't do that. Instead, take some time to study. Maybe a good Bible study for you would be to understand all of the feasts. Yeah. You know, to yeah. understand, to do Bible studies on those. Because then when you go back and you read the scriptures, you understand the whys. Like we just had a great conversation, uh, Gary, about John 10. Okay. And there's yeah. so, you know, there's so much in there. And, you know, Jesus went up for the feast of uh, dedication. Well, you probably blow past that, right. I think, a lot of people, right? And just like, what, not even think about yeah. how profound that really is in understanding that passage and understanding the conversation then that Jesus has. I've already told you I'm the Messiah. Right. Here's all the reasons. We're here to celebrate that, in fact. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it brings so much uh, depth. Um, and then, like you said, praying for... Uh, uh, the Jewish people right now uh, with what is happening and the different pressures um, and, you know, how all this is going to turn out. It's critical. And it would be wonderful if churches would set apart a, a certain day to uh, say to Sunday night we're going to come back together uh, for evening service, but our evening service uh, will be a time we're going to be really pour out our hearts uh, to God in behalf of the Jewish people, given what they're suffering. And one other thing we need to think about is I have been told that there are some 1,000 Christian Palestinians in Gaza who are in fear of their lives yeah. uh, because of the Islamic uh, Gazans that are uh, supportive of Hamas. Right. So, yes, it, we need to pray for Israel. We also need to pray for our brothers and sisters who are Palestinians in Islamic lands that are terribly threatened uh, by them as well. That's right. That's right. And, and the importance of prayer, um, prayer is real. Like you said, prayer in your relationship, real. saying to your uh, friend, I'm praying for you, it matters. And by the way, I've experienced, i got to be done. We're almost out of time here. But when I'm praying for somebody regularly, I remember to ask them about whatever it was I was praying about the next time I see them. Sure. And I don't have to go through, oh, uh, you know, I forgot about that, and I didn't really pray. I can say, hey, I've been praying for you. And right. Then, uh, Gary Dereshinsky, Rabbi, thank you for being with us today. Messianic Rabbi, the church is, uh, your your uh, congregation is Beth Ariel, BethAriel.org. That's right. And thanks for having me. Pastor Rabbi Scott. Gary, thank you for being with us on the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, we'll get to your calls. Come of you have called in. We'll, yeah, you call tomorrow, open line Friday. We do that every Friday. We'll be on from 3 to 5 tomorrow. Everybody, God bless. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com